The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hello, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. I'm your host, Joey Bushnell. Today I'm speaking to Herschel Gordon-Lewis, who is one of the top copywriters in the world. You can find out more about Herschel over at herschelgordonlewis.com. Herschel, thank you so much for being with me today. It's a pleasure, especially after that introduction. Herschel, how did you become a copywriter? I have become an absolute believer in serendipity and finding what you're not looking for. I started my career as a school teacher, and I taught, in fact, English literature of the Victorian era at a university, and my specialty was poetry of the Victorian era. I, I drew the magic straw with Browning and uh, Tennyson and A.E. Hausman and the, the, the true greats of, of literature, and that really cemented my interest in the use of words. Eventually, I won't bore you, your, your listeners or viewers or whatever with too much of this, I wound up in the advertising business. And in the advertising business, I found after a great many fits and starts that my talent, I guess you'd call it, lay in the use of words to cause people to perform a positive act as a re direct result of having been exposed to those words. Mm -hmm. And over a period of years, I developed a, a reputation, I guess you'd call it, for being able to do that. You also had a time as a film director, I understand. Oh, yes. Well, I still do. I have uh, made a great many films. Uh, and until, until the World Wide Web exposed me, uh -huh. the two worlds did not collide. I would be giving a speech on direct marketing uh -huh. and someone might come up to say, hey, you know, there's this strange fellow who has the same name you do, who used to make these goofy movies. I said, well, imagine that. <laughs> but once I became available online, you know, no one has any privacy anymore. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, that's become quite a common bit of knowledge. And I just finished my new movie, which is called The Uh-Oh Show. One way I got into that, in my earlier days writing copy, people would send me their movies to do the campaigns. And I literally became the master of campaigns for independent motion pictures. And looking at some of these movies, I said, as people often say about mine, I can do better than that. And that led me to make my own. Great. Well, today we're going to be talking about copywriting. You've written a great many books on the subject. And so I've taken some of the things that you've written about and brought them into this interview today. I'd love to go through these things if that's okay. Positively. My first question is, do you have any tips on opening a sales letter straight after the headline when we are addressing the reader? How do we address them? I have a very strong prejudice in that regard, Joey. Mm -hmm. One is that it's my opinion 
that dear friend is as obsolete as the dodo bird and the passenger pigeon. And people who open, who still open direct response letters with dear friend are making a tragic mistake in going back in time to when those impactless phrases still had some relevance. So my opinion is you would open a letter in one of uh, in a dynamic way. Example, if you're like I am, comma, and then put the individual's name in there. And the other question is, do you refer to an individual in the greeting of a letter by the first name, by the gender and then both names? What? And the answer to that is who you are, supposedly what position you have taken or assumed relative to that individual. Another way of starting a letter is simply hello, or if you want to be more convivial, hi. If you say that is too convivial, I'll contest that statement, because what we are doing is trying to establish a relationship. And those communications which evade that marvelous word rapport, rapport, the arm around the shoulder, are establishing distance rather than closing it. Absolutely. Another way of opening a letter. You start the letter. For example, I've been wondering, comma, and then put the name in there, then an ellipsis, three dots, and then the next paragraph really begins the letter. But meanwhile, that individual is, is in the letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way of starting a letter. I guess I shouldn't be telling you this. What's the benefit of starting a letter that way? If you're being provocative, anything that in today's marketplace where people have a plethora of choices and a very great shortage of time because they're hooked up on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and MySpace and Pinterest and all these other social media that have come slamming into our beloved universe and taking up time they otherwise might spend opening the day's mail. We have to be aware of that, and we compete with that by being personal. On that note, Herschel, I was going to ask, do you have any other methods for dealing with modern society's very short attention span? Well, yes, we cater to the short attention span, and that is a basic rule of what I call force communication. And it's quite simple. Fire your biggest gun first. We no longer have the luxury of slowly getting into gear and getting to the point in the fourth and fifth paragraph. Oh, no. And if we're online, it's even more important than that. We spill our guts immediately or we've lost that individual. Click. We're out of there. How do we stop people from being confused after they've read our message? What a wonderful question that is. We stop them from being confused by being certain that the very first thing we say to them is loaded with what they will gain by doing business with us and what they will lose if they don't. And that you may say that may also confuse them. It doesn't. What the confusion may result from is our failure to specify benefit. If we specify benefit, benefit overcomes fact in every instance. That's why effective catalog copy, for example, will start with text 
and then move down to bullet copy uh, with a list of features. Benefits outpull features. What it will do for you will certainly bring more response than how it works. I've written a lot of copy for computer software, and I don't know what I'm talking about, nor do I care. I care from the viewpoint of user, not developer. And that is true of no matter whether I'm selling computer software or plastic pipe or women's shoes, the principle remains constant. So in the software example, Herschel, you'll be speaking more about how it's going to save them time and money rather than all the quirks and functions of it. Yes. Okay, you talk about five great motivators that get the readers to respond to our message. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that, please? In in today's marketplace, I'm talking about the, let's say, the year 2012 slash 2013. We recognize five great motivators and maybe two or three ancillary motivators. The five great motivators of the current temperature of marketing are fear, exclusivity, greed, guilt, need for approval. Those are the five. You build your sales argument around one of those five, and chances are you will do more business than if you simply expose people to fact. By the way, of the five, exclusivity is absolutely the easiest. And fear is very hard to, guilt is hard to generate today, fear and guilt, because people don't fear much unless they are accosted by a highwayman on the street, and they don't feel guilty about anything. That's something else the the web has purged us of. In addition to that, we have two soft motivators, convenience and pleasure. And they do help any of the other five, but they are not primary. I might also add that for extremist groups, we have another motivator, but it's got to be handled really as though you have a load of dynamite in your hands. And that is anger. Anger aimed at the wrong targets can result in a lot of hate mail coming your way. I've never really thought of using anger in copy before. Can you give me an example of that? All right, here's anger. Let's suppose I'm a scuba diver. And let's suppose I am sending a message to fellow scuba divers. And here's the way I would start that message. They're doing it again. They're dumping used tires and batteries on our precious reefs. Mm -hmm. Their boats are plowing through them and start building up this head of steam. Mm -hmm. If it's political, of course, it's quite easy Mm -hmm. uh, where anger would would come into play. And two, three words that are an easy way to start a message built on anger. Can you believe And whatever you say after that will tie into an angry note. Fantastic. How do we pick the strongest word possible in any given situation? Is it a case of getting a thesaurus out? And how do we know which word will be stronger? Well, that's a matter of individual knowledge and knowledge of who it is who is looking at your message. But I would say on a universal level, Mm -hmm. some words we ought to avoid, and I would recommend, that anyone who is exposed to what I'm saying right now, take this not necessarily as advice, but as my opinion that I would propose 
be extant for the rest of your life plus six months. One, do not use the word available. I know it's a perfectly good Anglo-Saxon word, but what it means is there's other thing, there's something else out there, but I don't have it. Do not use the word among when you can say one of. You'll be among the first. It means you're one of the mob. Don't have people think they're one of the mob. Have people think they are chosen. Another word I don't like, learn, or for that matter, earn. It suggests, if I'm going to show you how to learn something, it says, I am superior to you. And that's why another word I would like to see eliminated from communication is the word submit, which is the last word on a lot mail offers. Submit. Do you under, everybody understands what that word really means. And there may be just a, a momentary reaction to it. Why give them that opportunity when you can say send? So there are some words we simply don't want to use. If I give you the an opportunity to to reply, you feel less committed than if I give you the opportunity to respond. Somehow, it seems like less of a commitment, and you are more likely to reply than to respond. I send you, a, and I here is a mailing from a major credit card that says you are invited to apply. No, I don't want to apply. That suggests once again that I am a secondary citizen to start with. Just as you can change the word on an application form to an acceptance form, and all the other words remain the same, but the individual doesn't feel that you are treating him or her as though he or she is a secondary person. Also, in word use, stay out of the passive voice. Okay. Uh, a reply from you would be appreciated. Your portfolio will be evaluated. By whom? If that, that is the reaction that you generate, by whom? Get back in the active voice. Incidentally, I know it's not the question that you asked, but I would point out to you that when we're dealing in the first person, I is superior to we. Mm -hmm. So the individual one-to-one, even though both are first person, is stronger than the individual multiples of of myself to one. That's another example of being thrown in with the mob, like you said. Precisely. Well, you see, the mob can help you. You might think that because the word you is the core of everything we do, Everything should be you, you, you. That really isn't true. You will find, I think, that others pay more is a stronger message than you pay less. Uh The kind of of psychological anecdote, I guess, that we should be uh, analyzing and using, just as many people who regard themselves as professional in, in, in our profession don't know the difference between can you and will you. And that's tragic. Mm-hmm. Visualize can uh, a fundraising communication. Mm-hmm. Can you help us? Gee, no, I'm sorry, I can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Will you help us? 
Then there's guilt generated. And that's one of the, and guilt, as you know, is one of the five great motivators. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question in 10,000 words or more, <laughs> many opportunities exist for us to choose a word. And we don't have to go to the thesaurus to find some exotic terminology. What we have to do is be both convivial and yet authoritative. And that combination really is, is why we can call ourselves professionals. Sure. Just as many people in our business don't like being called salespeople, mm -hmm. we are salespeople. And to take that mantle off our shoulders is costing us money. What is a lift note and how can that help in copywriting? A lift note is a second communication in a direct mail uh, communication. Example, let's suppose I'm selling subscriptions. The basic letter would come from either the editor or the circulation manager, let's say. Then along with that is a second communication. In my opinion, it should be on a smaller piece of paper and it should be in a different font. It could be the same font, slightly smaller. For example, if the basic font is, let's say, 12-point Gaudi old style, the lift note might be in 10-point Gaudi, which does look different. Mm -hmm. I personally, and uh, this may sound more chauvinistic than I mean it, I like a typeface called American Typewriter. It's not really American. It looks like a typewriter, but unlike the classic typewriter faces, it's kerned. That is, the lowercase i uses a lot less space than the uppercase w. That's off the point. The point is that the lift note, which then might come, let's say, from the publisher, reinforces the selling argument made in the basic note. And what it really seems to be, even though it isn't, is a third-person endorsement. Sure. Now, in that regard, it could be a third-person endorsement. For example, it could be a satisfied customer writing a shorter note saying, I'm really pleased to tell you how what good luck I have had dealing with this organization. They keep their word. Their merchandise is really better than it's described, and they ship on time. And that, I can tell you, my friend, is rare in the world of commerce today. And that comes from another person. And that it comes from another person gives a lift to what otherwise is simply an out-and-out out pitch for business. You also talk about marginal notes. How can they help us in copywriting? All right. Marginal notes usually are in the left margin. They are handwritten. And they should say to the person getting the communication, I was looking at what I wrote to you, and it occurred to me, I really want to emphasize this point. And a marginal note should be, as I say, handwritten. If you can do it in blue, if a letter is written in black, that's even better, because that looks more like a, a ballpoint ink job. And if you don't have handwriting, use a handwriting font. And please, no more than four or five words in a marginal note. And please... No more than one or two on any page of a letter. And it doesn't have to be explicit. It's supposed to be emphatic. Example, please read this twice. That's a good marginal note. Why should we assume that the reader is enthusiastic? <laughs> we have to assume the reader is enthusiastic because if the, if the reader 
is is uh, cynical. If the reader remains skeptical after we have unleashed our mighty warfare on that person, it's a waste for both parties. We generate the enthusiasm. The reader may not be enthusiastic to start with, but our assumption can be contagious. That's what we do. We spread the contagion of enthusiasm. And sometimes I'll see a letter that starts with you don't, and I'll see space ads especially. Don't read this unless, and I think that's a tactical error too. Enthusiasm is obviously the core of somebody buying something. People don't go to a store and say, I don't want this, but I'm going to buy it anyway. No, no. And that, by the way, is the difference between a salesperson and a clerk. I go into a store and I say, where are the men's shirts? Over there. That's the clerk. Mm -hmm. The salesperson said, are you lucky you came in today because we have a special and I've got a bunch of them in your size and you are going to look great when you walk out of here. That's salesmanship. And that's all we do. We cause the enthusiasm either to, to multiply or to appear in the first place. What does verisimilitude mean, and why does it matter? Verisimilitude is the appearance of truth. It comes from the Latin word veritas, which means truth. But the entire truth can bite us and hurt us. Verisimilitude, the appearance of truth, appears to be a factual underpinning of whatever we're saying. And we, what we're saying to somebody, but please not in these words, is you can believe what I'm saying because, and whatever we say after that adds verisimilitude, the appearance of truth to our message. Do you have any tips to avoid people disappearing at our checkout, assuming they are buying online? Yes, I have two tips. One is, I've already said, avoid the word submit. Yeah. But I'll tell you what else happens. We will ask people for more information than we need. In my opinion, we should ask only for the information we absolutely positively have to have. Every fill-in adds to the percentage of people dropping out. But what we also want to do is add a dire warning to the checkout, saying, if you miss this now, you may never again have this opportunity so don't disappear. We can tell them that. Mm-hmm. Everybody's aware that they that we know they are about to leave us if we don't grab them and shake them right then. Sure. Tell them that. Tell them that if you leave us now, you'll be the worse for it. Herschel, thank you so much for doing this interview with me today. You've been absolutely brilliant. Where can we go to get more of your information? Do you have a main website? And also, where can we buy your books? All right. I love both questions. My website is www.herschelgordonlewis.com. Herschel is spelled H-E-R-S-C-H-E-L-L-G-O-R-D-O-N-L-E-W-I-S.com. And I am H-G-L at HerschelGordonLewis.com. I have a personal address, too, if they want to get one-to-one closer than that, which is simply HGLewis1 
at AOL.com. I am reachable on, on both levels. My current best-selling book, I guess you'd call it, it's the fourth edition of a book titled On the Art of Writing Copy. And the reason there's a fourth edition, the third edition didn't have much in there about social media. It didn't exist when the third edition came out. So now we have a fourth edition on the art of writing copy. And almost any bookstore will have it. Certainly Amazon has it. I think uh, my friend Jane Revel Higgins can get that for you. And it's very much available. I have a number of other books out there. I, I've written, as I think you know, 32 books. I should say 31 and one-half books because I wrote a report for the Direct Marketing Association called Internet uh, Tips, Tricks, and Tactics. And to my embarrassment, it was published in book form. And it's got to be one of the world's shortest books. It's only about 96 pages, but I guess it semi-qualifies as a book. I am reachable, absolutely. Herschel, I should have mentioned this at the beginning when I introduced you, um, but you are a Hall of Famer of the Direct Marketing Association. Is that true? Yes, I'm in the Direct Marketing Association Hall. It may be an indication of how low their standards have become. <laughs> but this goes back now, oh, what, nine, ten years that I've been in that Hall of Fame. And I always am a speaker at their annual conference. Uh, this year it's, in, it's um, in October. And they have it in Las Vegas, which is not my favorite destination, but it's theirs. I have a two-day pre-conference workshop. And then I have a one-hour standard. It's called the Creative Masterclass. <laughs> and so I'm on again this year. Well, Herschel, I can see why they want you back every year and why they honoured you as a Hall of Famer. And that wraps things up. That is the end of today's show. Thank you for listening in. I highly recommend that you go and check out Herschel's website and buy his books too. Herschel, thanks for coming on the show. That's very kind of you, Joe. Thank you very much for the call. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. <laughs>